was a month of December, and in homes all around, not a thing wasn't stirring. Busy chaos abounds. Demeanors of brashness flowed free without care in hopes that the other would treat them more fair. Whether in line or a meeting or digital post, angry comments and likes from those followed the most. When what to my world-wearied heart should appear but the kindness of Christmas, bringing love far and near. On Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday the same, be it listening or time spent, fan empathy's flame. To the day you grow old, from the day you can crawl, give away, give away kindness to all. The author is writing, his kindness so cheery, its power to wake and bring light to the weary. But lo, we must listen, and with him so exclaim, merry kindness to all. Now to all show the same. Nicole Phillips writes the column, Kindness is Contagious. And in that column, she tells the story of her friend, John. Several years ago, John was driving his brand new minivan when a truck came and smashed into him. And as John sat there in the driver's seat, he just became filled, absolutely flooded with anger. And I understand. I mean, if I had to drive a minivan, I'd probably be pretty angry too but John was upset because this other driver wasn't paying attention. The other driver was clearly in the wrong and just came and, and wrecked his brand new vehicle. And so there he's sitting in the driver's seat and he's just feeling all this frustration and all of this anger. He's about ready to get out and go and talk to the other driver. And in that moment, John realized that he had a choice. He could choose to respond based on how he was feeling, anger and frustration, and that would have been completely justified. Or he could respond a different way. He could choose in that moment to be kind. And I think you and I face the same type of decision that John faced thousands of times every single day. Every single day, you and I have the opportunity to choose to respond to other people based on how we are feeling, or we can choose to respond a different way. And you know, like John, we have a lot of people that relationally speaking, maybe emotionally speaking, they come and they crash into our lives. And I don't know about you, but for me, I had plans and visions and hopes and dreams about where I was going to be at this point in my life, about where I was going to be at this point this year, about where, I, where things were going to be at in terms of, of our church and in terms of what I'm going to be doing. And, and at times, it seems like other people who aren't paying attention or who are only concerned about themselves, they come and they collide with us and, and kind of wreck some of our hopes and dreams and visions for how things were going to be. In fact, many of you are going to be around some of those people this Christmas season because you're related to some of those people. Now, for some of you, maybe it's a spouse, and their lack of awareness about their own blind spot continues to run into you. Or maybe it's a boss or a coworker who think the rules don't apply to them, and so yet again, their decisions have, have rear-ended you in your life. Or maybe it's a relative that can't seem to stay in their lane. Or maybe it's a student of yours or an employee of yours or maybe one of your own kids that can't seem to merge in with the rest of us. 
and it causes relational and emotional wreckage in our lives. The question is, well, how are we going to respond in those moments? So what if I told you that there was something that you could do right now, something that you could start doing that would improve those relationships? What if I told you that this thing that you could do is actually relatively simple, and if you just start doing it, you're gonna increase in happiness, you're gonna decrease in stress, and you're gonna enjoy your life more. You wanna know what that thing is? Here it is, super simple. It is to be kind, be kind. Now that just, just saying that feels kind of trite, doesn't it? I mean, that just feels a little lame. Maybe you want to roll your eyes at that. And you're like, are you serious? Right now, here's the deal. This message is not a let's hold hands and sing we are the world message and just feel good and everything's going to work out. That's not what this is about. Uh, I am not one to oversell a message or oversell a sermon series that, you know, we're going to transform your life in four easy steps and just do these things. But, but here's the deal. Uh, there is power in kindness. In fact, as, as I've been preparing for this series, what I've learned is that kindness is something that's way deeper than I ever gave it credit for. In fact, here's what I've learned. I've learned that actually I'm not very kind. I'm nice, but I'm not kind. And there is a huge difference between being nice and being kind. I've also learned that there is power in kindness and that kindness is something that can actually transform our lives and our relationships. That's why we're doing this series. This whole series is aimed at trying to help you improve the relationships in your life. You could think of this as like biblical counseling for troubled relationships. That's what this series is gonna be about. And it all starts with understanding the power of kindness. So here's how powerful kindness is. Here's kind of the big idea of today. It's this, is that kindness is God's method for bringing transformation to our lives. That when God wants to change us, when he wants to transform us, when he wants uh, our lives to look different, the method that he uses to bring that transformation is actually kindness. And you say, well, where do you get that from? How, how do I know that that's true? This is what the Apostle Paul was trying to stress to the church in Ephesus. In uh, the first part of Ephesians 1, Paul writes this to the church. He says, so we praise God for the glorious grace that he has poured out onto us who belong to his dear son. He is so, and here's the phrase, he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. What Paul is telling us here is the reason that you and I have the forgiveness of sins is because of how kind God is, that literally God is so rich in his kindness. And there's just so much about kindness that's packed into uh, these verses here. But, but what we find is that uh, the, the kindness of God and the, and the depth of his kindness, that's the source of, of the passion. That's, that's where God wants to come into our lives and have this reconciled relationship with us is because of his kindness. And where that all starts and how that begins to intersect in our lives is mentioned in verse 6 when he talks about how we belong to his dear son. Now when you see the phrase dear son, what Paul is referring to here is he's referring to Jesus, the son of God. Now we talk about Jesus being the son of God, but I, I need you to not think with me that, that somehow Jesus uh, at one point didn't exist and then God somehow gave birth to him and then Jesus started. That's, that's not true. Uh, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, always existed. He was always with God the Father because Jesus is God. 
What Jesus is, is Jesus is God with flesh on. What we celebrate at Christmas is we celebrate that God came to dwell among us, uh, that, that God came to live with us, that God literally took on a body and became one of us. In fact, we sing a Christmas carol to celebrate this. The Christmas carol, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, is referring to that phrase or that term that we give to Jesus, Emmanuel. And that word, Emmanuel, is actually three Hebrew words that comes from the Old Testament. But it's three Hebrew words. It's literally E, Manu, and El. And those three words together, what they literally mean is God with us. So that's not just some title that we've given to Jesus. It's a description of who Jesus is. Jesus is God with us. Which means, and this is why this is important, Anytime we see Jesus mentioned in the Gospels or, or we, we understand who Jesus is, we are literally seeing God. So if you want to know who God is, if you want to know God's character, if you want to know what God is all about, look to Jesus. Well, so what do we know about Jesus? Well, when Jesus came to this earth, John, when he's writing the Gospel, he describes it in just a beautiful phrase who Jesus is, and it just gives us this great image of who God is. Here, it's found in John 1, 14. John writes this, he said, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Okay, we just talked about that. That's what we're celebrating at Christmas, is God coming to dwell with us. And he says, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father. Again, Jesus has always been God and he has always existed. He came from the father, but here's the great description that I wanted to camp on full of grace and truth. That God, as seen in Jesus, is full of grace and truth. And that's just such a powerful phrase for me because often in my life, I am not full of grace and truth. At times, I'm full of grace or I'm full of truth. And sometimes I'm not full of either one. Uh, but we have a tendency to not be like God, to not be full of grace and not to be full of truth. And see, that's what we're missing when we understand the kindness of God. That when we see Jesus, we see in essence God's kindness and it is full of grace and full of truth. So let's imagine that these two cylinders here represent grace. This, this is our grace jar. And over here, this is our truth jar. And while we know Jesus is filled to the brim of both grace and truth, uh, I know in my own life, and this is true for you too, uh, you're not. I'm not. We're not. We're not full of grace and truth. You know what we tend to do? We tend to be one or the other. So there are some of us who are grace people. And here's what grace is. Grace is all about giving someone what they don't deserve. It's, it's the undeserved merit that we give to somebody. God has given to us undeserved merit. We haven't deserved it. We can't earn it. But God's given that to us. And there are many of us that want to celebrate those attributes of God. We love the fact that our God is gracious and that our God is loving and that our God is forgiving. And we want to highlight those things. And, and we know that God is also truth. But, you know, maybe there are even some people that are so excited about the grace part of God, they, they kind of want to almost ignore the truth part a little bit. Or they get a little uncomfortable with the truth part. Now, there are others of us who are all about truth. Truth is like there is a right and there is a wrong. There is clarity about things. And our world, by the way, is very confused about this jar. Our world right now thinks that truth is relative. You know, you hear phrases like your truth and my truth, and, and, and folks, that, that, that's, that can't happen. There can't be multiple truths because by definition, truth is truth. 
And so our world is so confused about that. So there are many of us, and I probably fall more into this camp, but there are many of us who are so fixed on like, we have to be clear and we have to highlight the truth of God's nature. And we have to make sure that people understand truth. And we recognize that, that there's a grace part of God, but you know, maybe we focus a little bit more about the right and the wrong part of it. Right, so that, that tends to be a little bit more of, of, of my inclination. But the reality is uh, that even if we're more given to truth in our life, or even if we're more given to people of grace in our life, the reality is we kind of waffle back and forth between these two jars. Let, let me give you an example. So as a truth guy, I still love being gracious. In fact, I love being gracious to my kids, and I love being gracious to my kids on Christmas it's like my favorite time of year to be gracious to my kids because I love it when they open gifts on Christmas. Now, here's the thing. Uh, my kids have done nothing to earn or deserve the gifts that they receive on Christmas from me, right? They haven't done anything to earn them or deserve them, but I love giving them to them. And I just love them having that, that moment of opening those gifts under the tree and it's so fun. And I just love being that dad who's, who's full of grace for my kids. And then those same kids who just get to experience the grace from their dad, uh, at one point will talk back to their mom. And when they talk back to their mom, it's like the grace is over. We're done with the grace. And here's what happens in, in our household. Uh, I end up like giving up on the grace and then it's like all truth, right? I'm like backing up the truth train on my kids and I'm just unloading on them because I'm like, you can't talk to your mom that way. That is wrong. How dare you? You're not allowed to do that anymore. You have to ask for forgiveness. You need to apologize. Here's what God's word says about honoring your mom and on and on the truth comes. And for others of you, you're hearing that and you're like, you know, Kyle, I kind of go the other way. Right? There are people in my life whom I love and who I care about, but I watch them do things that I know are wrong. But I, I kind of like, I kind of don't talk about truth to them, right? Because I don't know, I, I know their story and I know how hard it's been for them. And, you know, I know they probably didn't mean it. And so, you know, I, I kind of just like, I, I give up on the truth side and I just want to, I just want to pour grace into their life. And so I'm just like all gracious to, to those people. And then come on, there, there are some of us who, who will, will waffle back and forth between grace and truth, honestly, based on our mood, right? Like we walk in on Monday morning and, and we had a great weekend. We had a great time at church and we're feeling good. And so maybe we're around our team at work and we're like, you know, everything's gracious and like there's some mistakes, but don't worry about it. It's no big deal. And, and then like Tuesday's not a good day and then Wednesday's worse and by Thursday we're all grumpy. And then it's like, forget grace. And it's like, oh my goodness, we're just all truth to people and we're like letting people have it and how dare you. And, and we just go back and forth between being people of grace and people of truth and people of grace and people of truth. And folks, I have to tell you, that is not kind. Can you imagine what our spiritual lives would be like if this is how God treated us? Can you imagine what it would be like to try to worship God if one minute he's all truth and then the next minute he's all grace? You would never know where you stand. You would never know what to do. It would be so confusing. And yet that's how many of us treat other people. That is not kind. Do you know what kindness is? Kindness is full of truth. And kindness is full of grace. Because that's who Jesus is. Jesus is filled to the brim with grace, and he is filled to the brim with truth. Always, 100% at the same time. That's what it means to be kind.
And so that's the first thing we need to understand about kindness is that kindness is grace plus truth. And this is where oftentimes we get very confused when it comes to kindness. At least that's where I have been confused about kindness. Because here's what I have falsely understood to be true about kindness. What I thought kindness was all about was just this jar over here. I I thought kindness was just grace. But do you know what grace without truth is? It's trying to be nice. Right? You're trying to be pleasant. You're trying to be appropriate. Like you don't want to bring up the truth because you don't want to offend somebody. You don't want to hurt their feelings. So you just kind of ignore that. And then you like try to show the, the grace side of things. But here's the reality. You can't give grace if there has never been a truth. And so the second thing we have to understand about kindness, and this is so important, this has been transformative in my own life, is that kindness is not the same thing as being nice. But there is a difference. But let me be really specific with you about what I mean here. I want you to consider grace and truth as it comes and as it's seen in the gospel. All right, the gospel is the good news about Jesus. It's what scripture says is true about you and me. What, what is the gospel? I have to tell you, the gospel is not nice. The gospel is good news, but it's not nice. You know why it's not nice? Because it's really clear about truth. Here's what the gospel says about truth. What the gospel says is it says that you and I are worse sinners than we can ever possibly imagine. That's what it says. In fact, it says that that our sin is so bad, it's so significant that something has to die in order to cover over the punishment for our sins. That's what it says. Now, folks, I know that intellectually to be true, but I have to tell you, in, in my spirit, I wrestle with that. I mean, even knowing the gospel for as long as I have, even preaching the gospel, it's still hard to reconcile that, that that literally Jesus had to die for me because that's how bad my offensiveness to God is. That's the height of my own rebellion, my own pride. But it is absolutely true. It is why Jesus died on the cross to take the punishment for our sins. But here's the thing, even with that truth, It's not just that truth, it's that truth plus this amazing grace. Because the grace side of the gospel is that while this is absolutely true, you and I are far worse sinners than we could possibly imagine, it's also true that you and I are more loved by God than we could ever comprehend. Did you know that? That God loved you so much, Dale preached on this last weekend, God loved you so much that Jesus came to take your place so that you would not have to suffer the consequences of your sin, and that he substituted himself so that instead of you receiving the the punishment for your sins, what you now receive is you now receive a great new standing with God. That God now sees you as if you have never sinned. Folks, that is amazing and wonderful and full Grace And that grace gives birth to then a new truth. And here's the new truth that if you've accepted Jesus, you've put your faith in him, do you know what is now true for you? What is now true for you is you are considered to be a child of God. That you have a reconciled relationship with God the Father and God now sees you as if you never sinned. It's as if this was never part of your story in terms of sin. Folks, that is good news. But it's filled with truth and with grace. See, if it was one or the other, we would be missing something. If, if the message was all truth and no grace, we would have no hope because we stand condemned. But you can't have grace if there's no truth. 
let me give you an example. Uh, a few months ago, I realized that our homeowners association, where my wife and I live, uh, has an architectural review committee. You know how I found out that we have an architectural review committee? Uh, I found out when I was informed that I was not going to have to pay the fine for them not pre-approving my deck removal this summer, uh, that I was not going to have to pay the fine that I didn't know I incurred. I had no idea. I had no idea I was supposed to do this ahead of time. And how I found out was when I was told that I was going to be forgiven for the violation that I had no idea I committed. Now, let me ask you a question. How much grace do you think I felt like I experienced when I found out that I didn't have to pay a fine I didn't know I owed? Zero. Right? I mean, like, not at all. Because there was never a truth there to, to, to use. So I had no idea. It, like, it was meaningless to me. But how irritated do you think I was when I found out there was an architectural review committee with our homeowners association? I think there's a lot of frustration uh, about that. Folks, the reality is we can only experience grace when there is truth, and that is what it means to be kind. Okay, so let's get really practical here for a moment about what this means in our, in our relationships and in our lives. I want you to think about a relationship in, in your life right now that is just, uh, it's an irritation for you. It's a relationship that that person just, they rub you the wrong way. They, it's like they're always kind of offending you. It's just, it's like a huge irritation. So in your mind, I want you to picture that person. Think about who it is. You have it in your mind? Okay, good. All right, now I want you to think about the last time that that person offended you. I, I, I'm thinking of a story myself. Do, do you have one in, in your mind? Okay, so when that person offended you, let me ask you, how did you respond? Let me tell you how I responded. Maybe it's very similar to how you responded. How I responded to that moment, to that offense, is I really downplayed it. Because I was trying to be nice, but I wasn't kind. I was like, oh, it's no big deal. You know, it's fine, right? I mean, that's the classic phrase, right? It's, oh, no, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's no big deal, it didn't bother me, right? And I totally ignored the truth of that situation. But I still felt worked up. I was still angry, I was still hurt, I was still irritated, and I just let it fester and I let it stew. And then I got home and I saw my wife and I did what I often will do when I'm worked up about something and trying to be nice, I will then vent and I'll vent to my wife, right? And so I just kind of, you know, here's what happened and can you believe and this person did this and you know, how, you know oh my goodness and you, you, you know, and let me ask you a question, did, did that solve anything? No. It didn't solve anything. In fact, was that kind to anybody? Well, no, not really. Because there was a truth that I was offended, but the person who offended me actually has no idea because I never said anything to them. So they didn't experience any truth from me. They didn't experience any grace from me. They have no idea there was even a thing, but I'm all worked up. Was I kind to my wife? Nope. She's like, I don't want to spend the rest of the afternoon with this guy. He is like in a bad mood. Like, I want to, like, why don't you go take a walk by yourself, Kyle? Was I kind to myself? No, I wasn't even kind to myself. Why? Because when I vented and I relived the story, I, it didn't solve anything. It didn't resolve the issue. All it did is it allowed me to get just as worked up as I was when it happened in the first place. In fact, psychologically and physiologically, I relived the experience when I was telling her. And I got even more upset because here's the truth. Uh, venting doesn't make you better. It just makes you bitter. Because you relive the whole issue and nothing actually gets resolved. Folks, that might be being Minnesota nice, but it is not being kind. Man, I am so guilty of this. So what do we do? Here's what we do. 
in that moment, when that person offends you, you need to be honest about it. You need to tell them the truth. Now, not in a way that escalates and don't come in with, you know, how dare you and you always and you're a jerk and and that's not going to help. But use I statements. Hey, I I just need to let you know that uh, when when you did that and you took credit for that, that I had worked on to the boss, like that, that really hurt my feelings. Hey, I need to let you know, I I don't feel good about how that conversation ended. Hey, I just need to let you know, I, I know you were joking, but that really hurt my feelings when you said that. You just need to be honest with them about the truth of the situation. And then step two of what you do is you give them grace, which means you treat them as if this didn't happen. In fact, you treat them better than if this happened. You might be saying, well, okay, well, Kyle, hold on. I should give grace to the people, but only if they agree with me that, there was a, that, that, that they offended me, right? No. No, because the reality is there are some people in your life, and these are difficult people, but there are some people in your life who actually don't know the truth about Jesus. They don't know the truth about our world. They don't know the truth about sin. They don't know the truth about them. And folks, if they don't know the truth, they're incapable of grace, right? They just can't give you grace because they don't even recognize truth. So what do you need to do for those people? You need to give them grace anyways. You say, why? Because that's what Jesus tells us to do. Jesus says these words to us in Luke 6, 35. He says, love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great. And you will be truly acting as, here it is, children of the Most High. Remember, we're children of the Most High if we're in relationship with Jesus. That's the new truth about us. And that new truth means that we act like God acts. We act like Jesus acts. And how does God act? For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. So if you have some unthankful and wicked people in your life, do you know how God treats them? He's kind to them. Do you know how we're supposed to treat them? We're supposed to be kind to them. Because that's how God treats us. Okay, so you might be thinking, okay, Kyle, that sounds like great and really spiritually uh, like a big, a big deal. And, and you know, if, once I reach that point of spiritual enlightenment, maybe I can do that. Uh, so I'll just keep growing on my faith. And then it, maybe at someday I'll start feeling like I want to love my enemies. I'll start feeling like I want to be kind to those who mistreat me. Uh, and, and then I'll be able to do that. Uh, but that's the wrong way of thinking about this. Because first of all, that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says you need to go do this. You need to love your enemies. But, but the second thing is why. See, here's the thing, is we don't become spiritually mature in order for us to be kind. We're kind to others in order to become spiritually mature. That by being kind to others transforms us. And it transforms us because it reminds us of how kind God has been to us. And it starts to invite others into experiencing the kindness of God. And in that way, there are four specific ways that kindness has transformational power in our lives. I want to give these to you very briefly. Here they are. The, the first thing about how kindness is power, uh, powerful is that kindness protects our hearts. Here's how this works. Uh, when we have a situation with somebody, when somebody comes in, they offend us. It's as if they have shot an emotional bullet that gets lodged in our heart. And when that hit happens, our body reacts. We go into what's called a fight or flight 
scenario, right? And, and so all of a sudden it's like you just get flooded emotionally and then like your body just reacts. So either you like withdraw from the situation or if you're like me, you lean in and you kind of get amped up and here you go, right? And, and then all of a sudden you start fighting about things that you never otherwise would have fought about, right? This is why you've had some ridiculous arguments with loved ones in your life. It's because of this situation, right? You don't actually care about how much sugar is in grandma's cookie recipe, but in that moment, it was like, I was offended, and here we go, and we're throwing down about the sugar, right? It's, just, it's just silly and ridiculous, but when we choose in advance to be kind, it protects our heart because we go in knowing that regardless of what this person says or does to us, I'm going to choose to respond in a way that is full of truth if needed, but full of grace, and when you do that, it just, it, that, that hit, that bullet that shot toward our heart, emotionally speaking, it just never lodges. And, and so it allows us to then respond with kindness back to them because we were prepared in advance that that's how we were going to respond. And it allows us to take control of our emotions. So instead of being out of control, we're now in control. Here's the second way that kindness is powerful is it prevents division from happening. I watched this happen in a meeting I was in a few months ago. I sat on a board for a nonprofit, and we're going into a certain meeting that we had recently. There was a proposal from somebody on that nonprofit, and the board was divided about this proposal. And so walking into the room, it just felt anxious. It was like there was going to be a division. There was going to be a fight about this issue. And, you know, we were sitting in the room, and the meeting started, and we got through some of the first agenda items. You ever been in those moments, and you just feel like the, the angst and, and, and the emotion is building? That was what this was. And then we got to the proposal, and that came up on the agenda, and the person who had offered the proposal recapped it, and then it was open for discussion, and all of us were just kind of like on the edge of our emotions. And then my friend Eric, who was opposed to the proposal, he's also a pastor, uh, he responded first. I have to tell you, the way Eric responded was incredible. He, he was filled with truth. I mean, he was opposed to the proposal and made that very clear to everybody. But he did so in a way that was so consumed with grace, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I mean, he responded very truthfully, but so graciously. And then the person who made the proposal that then responded back with an equal amount of grace. And within 10 or 15 minutes, I was watching what otherwise would have been a very hot and a very contested argument being handled in a civil way with great discussion that was just saturated with grace. And I walked out of that meeting and I thought, there it is. That was kindness in action that I just saw. Now, I'd love to tell you that we all like hugged at the end of the meeting, we all agreed and everything was good and that just isn't true. Uh, we were still divided about the issue. In fact, as far as I know, there are people in that room that are still on opposite ends of that particular proposal, but everybody felt hurt. And it, it prevented what could have been a big division among the team. Here's the reality, you're gonna, maybe many of you are going to a gathering this Christmas, maybe with relatives and it feels like you're walking on the edge of your emotions going in. You're just one comment away from huge division happening around the table or at that event. And what if you were like Eric? What if you went in with the commitment ahead of time that you were gonna be a person of kindness and regardless of what happened, you were gonna respond in a kind way? You might be able to be the one who starts a movement of kindness within that gathering and prevent division. Because that's what kindness does. Kindness gives birth and produces 
other kindness. That's the third thing that kindness does, and the third power of kindness is that kindness produces more kindness. That's what it does. Folks, this is one of the reasons that we are doing the Christmas box again this year uh, here at our campuses. The Christmas box, uh, you've been hearing about it. It's, it's a short little, small little gift that you can give to somebody else. And there's some fun activities in there that are specifically designed for a family. One of those activities is actually a kindness challenge that the family can do on, on their behalf. We're doing this because it's an opportunity for you to be kind to somebody else. And it's an opportunity to invite them into being kind with us. Why? Because God has been so kind to us. Here's the reality. When somebody is kind to you, it is almost impossible to not be kind back. It takes a special kind of grumpy to be mean to somebody who is intentionally kind to you. And we want to start that kindness wave this Christmas here at Wooddale Church and around the Twin Cities so we can all experience a different kind of Christmas. And ultimately, that leads to the final thing that kindness does is kindness has power to produce within us new life. Quite literally, the very first Christmas, kindness became incarnate. It was the truth of God and the grace of God that came upon a Virgin Mary and gave birth to kindness here on earth. And then that kindness walked the earth and lived and showed us what it means to live a kind and a God-honoring life. Jesus lived a perfect life. And then the kindness of God led him to the cross where he took the punishment for our sins so that we would not have to, dealing with both the truth and the grace of our situation. And then on that third day, what we celebrate on Easter is kindness rose again to give us the hope that we can have new life. The kindness of God produces new life. And when we choose intentionally to be kind to others, we have the opportunity to invite them into or experience just a little taste of what that new life might be like. And that's what happened to John right after that car crash. John was sitting there in the driver's seat of that now wrecked minivan. And John realized he had a choice to make. And so he got out of the car and he went up to the other driver and instead of just blasting him and, and, and unloading with anger and frustration, he just simply had a kind word to say, are you okay? And the man looked at him and said, no, I'm not. I shouldn't even be driving. He said, just yesterday, I buried my wife and I'm a mess. And John stepped over to the side of the road with this man and said, hey, the accident is, is, is nothing compared to what you're going through. I want to hear your story. And then John said, can I pray for you? And there John stood on the side of this road, right outside the wreck, and had the opportunity to pray with a man who needed to experience the grace of God. That's what we have the opportunity to be part of when we choose to be kind. And folks, that is what is going to give us a different kind of Christmas. Let me pray. Father, I'm so grateful for the kindness that you have shown to us in your son, Jesus. And Father, far too often, we just take for granted your kindness. And Lord, I confess to you that I tend to be a person who wants to be nice and kind of avoid truth. And Lord, then I'm just avoiding opportunities to give people grace. But that's not your way. And so Father, I pray in the interactions that we have this week, Lord, that right now, in the quietness of this space, that you would bring to mind one individual. Father, one individual 
to whom we need to be kind this week. Regardless of how they act, regardless of how they treat us, Lord, who is that person that needs to receive your kindness through us this week? Would you, would you bring that person to mind right now for us? And Father, as, as we now think about the next interaction that we're going to have this week with that person, Father, I pray that we would remember well how kind you have been to us. And Father, would you allow us to be able to show that same type of kindness to them. And Father, we ask that you would help us to be able to do that. And we pray all of this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.